You know, you just need to, you know, show your heart, put yourself in a place of vulnerability mm-hmm. when you're out there on the run. You know, a lot of us are, it's hard to put yourself fully out there because if you fail, then you know that you're the best version of yourself wasn't good enough. So I think a lot of people hold back, but I, if, if you don't just let it go, then I don't think you're even have a chance of seeing your really your best performance. Welcome to another edition of the Chris Lieto podcast. I'm Chris Lieto, former professional athlete and Ironman champion. And this episode, I got to go to Boulder, Colorado, hang out with Ironman champion Tim O'Donnell, who is America's best Ironman athlete right now. He also has finished second in the Ironman World Championships like I did a decade ago. And he is still at his age, racing phenomenally, reaching the top, pushing the limits to his performance. And we got to sit down and talk a little bit about what helps him at this age perform at his best, how has his training changed, how has his perspective changed with a family. And really, we just got to hang out and have a good time and just to get a little bit more in-depth conversation with him. So it was a great episode. Before that, we also got to spend a little bit of time skate skiing, which was a first for me. So cross-country skiing, uh, spent a lot of time on the ground, especially in the beginning, but I got a little bit of a hang of it and got to enjoy the time doing some training, but doing it a little bit different than swimming, biking, and running. Uh, We also got to do a little swim workout early in the morning, and that was fun as well. So if you haven't had a chance, check out the YouTube link that is in the show notes. You'll be able to check out the video that was a day in a life basically with Tim O'Donnell or the day spending with Tim O'Donnell. So this episode is really insightful into what keeps him going, what keeps him on track uh, with his training and performance and how he's adapted that to what he's doing now and still having success. And this episode would not be possible without our presenting sponsor, Adaday. Uh, Tim O'Donnell is also a sponsored athlete of Adaday, and he has had a chance to be able to utilize the massage chair and the BioZoom and the rollers and all the tools and accessories that Adaday has. So I encourage you to go to Adaday, that's A-D-D-A-D-A-Y.com and you can go and check out their website to see all the tools and equipment and the massage gun uh, that I've used as well for a long time that's allowed me to get back running again. I had to take six years off of running and uh, got inspired to get back uh, running again and the BioZoom has legitimately made that possible to be able to massage my low leg and keep my Achilles fresh and being able to keep out and going running. So go to adaday.com and check out their tools and their massage devices. All these things are really just to basically give you a home therapy at home that you can self-massage, self-treat, help as far as prevent injury, activate your muscle groups and your muscles prior to workout, which a lot of people don't do, but you can spend four or five minutes uh, hitting certain muscle groups that will activate those muscles to make sure they're firing prior to a workout. And what's great about Adaday is they have the resources and the education that helps you identify what are the things that you need to do prior to and post-workout. So check them out, adaday.com. Use coupon code CHRIS20. Again, that's CHRIS20. Get a discount on all the products at adaday.com. This episode is also brought to you by Gatorade Endurance. 
Gatorade Endurance is different than your typical Gatorade that you'll may have tried in the past. Gatorade Endurance is specially formulated for endurance athletes or those that are doing prolonged exercise. You need to have uh, replacements of what your body is breaking down or what it's burning while you're out exercising. And the Gatorade Endurance formula is specifically designed to help in those areas, to maximize your performance, to maximize your body, to be able to get through those prolonged workouts or those races. But one of the other things that you may want to consider if you're planning on doing a race, most likely Gatorade Endurance is going to be at your race. They're at over 300 races nationwide. So a bulk of running races and triathlon events, short and long events, are going to be represented with Gatorade Endurance on course. And the number one rule is never do something new on race day that you haven't tried at home or in training. So you have to try what you're gonna do on race day. Go to Gatorade.com forward slash endurance. Use coupon code Chris20 and you get a 20% discount. So I encourage you to go to again, Gatorade.com forward slash endurance. Use coupon code Chris20 and get a discount and make sure that you try this prior to your event. And before we start our show, one last thing is I get people asking me again what they should be taking, how can they improve, how do they lose weight, how do they maintain muscle. They're always asking me questions about nutrition. And 99% of the time, the number one thing that I will tell them to take or advise them to take is essential amino acids. It's a specific blend of amino acids that your body needs to absorb. And every amino acid is not the same and the ratio of amino acids is super important. I used amino acids, essential amino acids, pretty much my whole professional career. Found immense differences in it, in recovery, in racing, sustained energy, maintaining lean muscle. Uh, so this is the top of my list, the number one thing that I advise people to take and tell people that it's uh, worth every penny. So. I know it sounds like a commercial, but everyone asks me, this is what I tell them. So I talked to Keon and they were nice enough to give me a discount code to pass on to you guys. So go to getkeon.com forward slash Chris Lieto. Again, that is getkeon, G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com forward slash Chris Lieto. And check out the amino acids. Check it out, getkeon.com forward slash Chris Lieto coupon code Chris20. Thank you very much Adaday for all that you do and allowing us to have this episode. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Tim O'Donnell. I had fun time with you just a couple days ago. Yeah. You took me for a day of training. Your first was, day, you weren't even sore. First day of uh, yeah, I haven't cross-country done, skiing. Oh yeah, not only cross-country skiing, but I haven't done much swimming, swimming. Yep. or biking. We didn't do any biking. I run a little bit still and I surf, but I'm not in any triathlon yeah. shape by any means. And uh, yeah, I got to come and just hang out with you. It was super fun just yeah. to, wasn't super fun getting up at five in the morning from uh, Hawaii no. time. No, yeah, but, it's like you didn't even go to bed, right? That would have been yeah, it's like a couple hours of sleep. or something. It was like two, <laughs> 2 a.m. for me. But it was fun, it was a good swim. And it was fun just to, um, yeah, just to come and hang out and to see your personality and your, um, I don't know, just kind of like your excitement for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a burden. It was fun. I felt like we just were two guys just cruising. It wasn't yeah. like specific training. We were training. You got a workout in. I mean, you did your last 200 uh, pull and what'd you do it uh, in? 152. 152. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think I could ever do a 150 zero. But I was just talking to one of their coaches, and uh, the level of swimming is it's just gotten insane, even on the high school level. He said there's yeah. a local high school kid going 133 in the 200 free right now. Are you serious? Yes. I'm like, that was... Back when we were swimming, that was good for a relay. Like, if your high school relay went 133. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's like, uh, what's Olympic? Olympic qualifying at 100, if you were to guess. I, I would say mid-130, like 134, 135 probably. So that kid's kind of right I in there. I would think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got to, how much faster do those guys go? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Ironman's fast as well. Now you're swimming. Yeah. You guys are swimming pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about that today when I was swimming. Um, I got a hit with a surprise 6K yeah. uh, swim set this morning. So what was, uh, what was the main set? Main set was uh, 10 fours. 10 400s. 10 400s, yeah. Uh, odds, um, swim, more a little bit more aerobic, uh, evens, pull, a little faster. Okay, so for those that aren't triathletes or swimmers, how many laps in a normal pool is a 400? So a 400 is um, back in, well, I guess laps, it would be what? Um, well, it's four laps for 100. Right, right. So well, four lengths per 100. Four lengths per 100. yeah. 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 So 16 lengths. Yeah. 16 lengths. Yeah. And you're doing that in how long did it take you? Um, or what What were you holding? Were you holding the same for all time? Yeah, no, I was holding around like 420s on the pole and 430s, 435s on the swim kind of cruise. And you were leaving on the five minute? Five and 445. So not much pulse. rest, 15 seconds rest? Yeah. Right? No, 30 right. seconds rest. 50, 50, yeah, yeah. That was more of an aerobic, aerobic set, so. Dude, that would be max threshold for me. It was good, yeah. Especially right now. I don't even be able to finish it. Maybe <laughs> get two of them done, if that. But while, when I was swimming, I was thinking about the swim in Hawaii. And now that we're getting some of the you know, more um, relevant Olympic guys, um, Olympic distance athletes like Alistair Brownlee, Javier Gomez. Uh, obviously, Jan is in there. Um, it's good for me because you can really make something happen on the swim. Which, we can break it up a little yeah. bit. And I've been doing that race since 2011. And every year, I'm like, this is the year there's going to be a break in the swim that's going to mean something. Yeah. And uh, last year was finally the first year where that break meant something. So it was kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, you had an amazing year. Last year, you went, you went under eight hours. Under eight hours, world yeah. Champs. Yep. First, um, first time uh, under eight hours in Kona for me, for an American. Yeah, uh, first, first American ever to go under yep. eight hours yep. in, in Hawaii yep. at the World Champs. Yeah, Which every is, race is a little bit different. Uh, Hawaii, I would say from the years that I raced it and watched it for so many years, that that is the hardest course, yeah. I think. Not only course-wise, it's difficult. It's not, as, it's not as easy as everyone would think by looking at it. Uh, there's a lot more elevation climb. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have the winds and you have the, the scolding heat, the heat yep. and humidity. Yeah, is, yeah. Is and you have the pressure of a world championships. Yeah. Right? Totally. And I think people take that um, a little for granted. Everybody wants to be in their best shape going into the biggest race of the year. Yeah. And um, so a lot of times you get guys that, you know, and this has been me in the past as well. You, you overdo it. You train too much. You're in awesome shape, but you're, um, you know, you're just kind of a little too overcooked to to really utilize it. The, the stress and pressure of a world championships, right? And then yeah. you get, you know, sometimes you make stupid mistakes in the race. Um, you get a little too aggressive. You get anxious and um, you pay the price. So. So how do you how do you how do you normally approach a race like that? Is it different than any other Ironman or any other race that you do? Like the week before, like do you have to do any different prep or mindset or staying relaxed? Like what's your approach for that week? Because it's a lot of energy. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. Like the energy on the island, and you live there, so I mean, you must like the 
whole the difference, changes. yeah, you see race week versus the rest of the year must be insane, right? Like yeah. it's just a whole different place. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, you have to be smart because there is so much, there's so much energy running. Like, I mean, you get up there, there's like tension and excitement. There's so many different emotions. You have to deal with that. And then you have to deal with a lot more um, kind of pre-race obligations. You know, your time is, um, is precious that week and everybody wants a piece of it. So you just have to be smart. You have to have a good plan going into race week of, of what you need to do. And um, you have to understand that you need to, you know, kind of stick with that and um, not get stressed about it. You know, that's what you have to do. And you just have to kind of go with the flow a little bit that race week. Was this year a little different in race week in that you were you were hurt, right? Yep. Like six weeks prior to, is that right? Yeah. You uh, seven, yeah, seven weeks. Seven weeks. You fractured your foot or your metatarsal? I did. Or? I broke my uh, fifth mat. Fifth mat. Yeah. And it's an injury that I had before. Um, in January of 18, I, I broke it. And uh, I didn't realize it, it didn't heal properly. So it was a, a non-fibrous union. Okay. Um, so the bone actually was, just think of like scar tissue holding the bone together. So the crack was still there. So it was still the same crack, it. yeah. So, I, um, well, the crack was, it was, was, being held together by basically scar tissue, right? Wow. And uh, I just rolled, I inverted my foot on a run seven weeks out before Kona and I just tore that scar tissue and rebroke it. So normally if you break <laughs> a bone, you're usually out for two two months with a cast. Yeah, yeah. Obviously in the Met, you can't really cast it. You gotta just stay off of it. Were you in a yep. boot or how did you approach it? I was it? in a what boot was... for a little bit. Yeah, when I originally broke it, I was in a boot for eight weeks. Um, I was super just kind of, serious you know about making sure it healed properly and yeah just bad luck because the doctor said it was bad luck the way it healed but um I, I was in the boot for a little while um and uh, yeah it was crazy um oh I, I didn't run until you know maybe two weeks before the race not even i did four or five runs outside literally didn't run at all oh i was on until. the ultra g treadmill for all well, first i was aqua jogging because uh, i couldn't put any any uh, weight on it. You could still right? bike though. I could still bike on a trainer, um, but getting out of this, I couldn't get out of the saddle. Um, so I had to be, you know, very smart about that. Luckily, you know, a cycling shoe has a hard carbon sole. So there's no uh, flex to it. So there's no flex, right? Yeah. So my foot is just down like this, but any, any motion like this and I was done. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get a lot of that lateral movement that you need to get out of the saddle. So when that happened, when you got the call or when you got the diagnosis that you cracked yep. your foot again, you're seven weeks out from the world champs. Yep. One that you, your goal is to, what's your goal in the Ironman? to win, right? Yeah, it's to win. You know, I've been, I've been on You've the been podium there before. A lot of times. You've been on yeah. the podium almost every spot in the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, but I'm curious about how, how, your, how you, your thought process was when you found out you broke your foot. If the whole lead up, your whole year was built. Yeah solely around the world champs. Yeah. Right? Like you didn't care about any other races, about your drive right. and your goal, your one goal for the whole year was that race. Yeah. And you know, it started before that, Chris. In March, I was in a cycling accident, broke a bunch of ribs. So my whole year was just like, it was turned upside down. Um, I was meant to do Ironman Texas in April, couldn't get to the start line there. Uh, I was gonna do Ironman Brazil in May, couldn't get to the start line there. Finally got to the start line in Boulder, Ironman Boulder. Barely got my Kona slot. So that was your first, that was kind of your first race of the year. That was my first race of the year in June. 
Um, usually, I don't like to do an Ironman in the first race of the year. I like to do yeah, you know, some yeah. shorter races to build up to that. I was completely unprepared for that race. Had a great swim, had a great bike. Uh, pathetic run. I uh, was about to drop out um, with about nine miles to go. I didn't even, my legs are blown up. And I saw, um, I thought about Izzy, uh, my daughter Izzy, who uh, at the time was just under two. And I'm like, you know what? I could suck it up for 90 minutes to get to the finish line and hold my head up high. And uh, at that time I had, I was going backwards. People were passing me. I'm like, I'm not going to qualify for Kona. And I had like come to terms with it, but I just said, all right, let's just get to the finish line for Izzy. Once I changed that mindset that I wasn't going to drop out, things started to come around and I was able to hold on to the podium and get that Kona slot. Uh, So all up through June, the year was just insane. Yeah. And then I really got some momentum after uh, I recovered from Boulder, got some, some momentum, had a great race in July in Santa Rosa and was really excited in August as I was building into that Kona block and then bam, you know, broken foot. Yeah. So, uh, so what, what do you, what do you tell, I mean, there's so much I want to ask you, but, <laughs> but, and we only have a limited amount of time, but looking at one, the way that your process was to Ironman, right. uh, when you thought about Izzy. And then also in a similar way of when you get a setback and something goes wrong, right? So you're in Ironman, yep. you're not feeling good, your legs are blown, mentally you're, you're telling yourself not great things, right? right. Like, yeah. I feel horrible. Yeah, you, you have My a legs negative hurt. self-talk. Which... Yeah, so what were you telling yourself? Legs hurt, Yeah. Uh, not ba- qualifying? Yeah, like, basically like, you know what? Like your quads are blown up, you know, you bike too hard, you weren't ready for this, um, you know, you, you're <laughs> disrespectful to this race and your competition thinking you could do this. And, because you're um, out there for a long time and you're yeah. by yourself. Yep. And I, as far as I, I was doing this all the time when I was racing, you, you talk to yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You sing or you talk to yourself or you think about other things, you distract yourself, yep. but it's very easy to fall into either positive self-talk or negative self-talk. Yeah. And you were definitely in a place of it was, it was a talk. place of negativity and and you just spiral and you do it's, you're absolutely right yeah. uh, it just keeps on getting worse and worse and worse um you know and that was at the point where i'm like I can't, i'm gonna have to start walking I, my legs are so far gone I, you know yeah I have, i'm gonna have to start walking but, but then you think about your daughter yeah you think yeah you think about something else and then i think the most important part is making a decision in your head of what you're going to do yeah um once i made the decision that dropping out was not an option um it just kind of turned everything over in my head. And it's not easy to get to that point. But when, once I did, it's like, okay, my legs started feeling better. And don't, like, it was still, like, it still took a lot physically and mentally to hold a decent pace that those last nine, 10 miles. Yeah. Um, a pace that was good enough to hold on. But the, the other part of this was, is these guys are pulling me in, right? Like, I'm about to lose my spot. I make that decision that I'm not going to quit um and i start running a little bit better and then i hear that they're not they're starting to hurt too right so then you know as we're talking about you get a little competitive a little glimpse of of hope right you get a little positive um you know a little positivity in your brain yeah and that's huge you know yeah um so with with that when you know knowing that and saying hey i'm not quitting hey there's still a chance for kona okay well then you have to shift in the mindset of not what do you want to do, but what do you need to do to make it happen? So I just immediately started focusing on my um, technique and my running and trying to hold my form together. Even though I wasn't 
uh, running super fast, you know, people saw me like, yeah, you still looked like you were holding it together. Yeah. Um, so I really just started focusing on, okay, what do I need to do to hold my run together? So I do hold on to the podium and qualify for Kona. Yeah. And when you make that decision of like, okay, I'm not going to drop. Yeah. The pain doesn't go away. The hurt doesn't go away. The fact that you're as far as depleted or not, yeah, in, yeah. or not in as good a shape as you want to be because of everything that happened, you can only control what you can control. But by having those, those talks and those discussions with yep. you, then you can focus on, all right, what can I control? Right. Let me look at my posture. Let me look at how I'm running. Let me look at this next guy that I, that yeah, I yeah. see is hurting a little bit as well. Okay, that's another positive thing. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting past him or whatever. And then things start, then that instead of the downward spiral of bad talk, it becomes almost like an upward spiral yeah. to yeah, a certain yeah. extent. Yeah, you have to guide the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, and what you just mentioned, Chris, about knowing what you can and can't control yeah. is so important. Um, a lot of times we get stuck focusing on uncontrollables and that's can't you can't win it. that yeah. you can't win that situation you know all you can do and this is you know maybe as we segue into talking about coming off of the broken foot that was one of the most important things for me was you know okay i get the diagnosis that my foot's broken i can't i can't think about the fact that i can't run i have to think about what can i do to put myself in the best situation um giving the, you know, the cards I've been dealt. I, I had my hand to play. How am I going to play it? You know, I can't focus on the cards I didn't get. I don't have, I'm not holding pocket, uh, you know, uh, aces, right? Yeah. So, all right, how do we play the, the hand I've been dealt? And then what'd you do? So you looked at aqua running, you said. Yep. So you can't run on the road, but you're like, it doesn't mean I can, yeah, yeah. I don't have to stop running. Well, so first thing I did take, I gave myself one night of sulking, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right, so I came right. home. I came home. I actually got an MRI MRI at night because uh, I had X-rays done and it wasn't didn't show the break. And I went and got an MRI. And the tech who's not supposed to do this, the tech was just like, "Oh yeah, that's broken as hell." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" So for me, at that moment, I'm like, I, "I'm done. There's no way I'm going to race Kona." Yeah, you know, I've I've had this injury before. Um, so I went home. I had a bottle of wine. <laughs> I opened a really nice bottle of wine. Uh, but I said to myself, all right, you have tonight and then tomorrow we're going to figure out a plan that's going to put you in the best situation possible, given, um, you know, the circumstances I'm in right now to have a chance of success in Kona. Yeah. And yeah, so then right away we, um, started thinking, okay, well, you know, well, maybe we can focus on tech, some technique stuff on the swim. Cause I couldn't even flip turn. Um, so a lot of drills and things like that. And then, all right, let's get an awkward, let's get some aqua jogging in if we can. And then. Um, you know, as it got a little bit better and I could ride a little bit more, okay, let's have a really big cycling focus. You know, I can't get the run mileage in, but Hey, I can be super fit on the bike, um, and things like that. And then closer to the race, um, well, well, let's find a zero gravity treadmill and, you know, maybe we can get some turnover stuff going and get that neuromuscular training. And it was just doing what we could to have just a little chance of success. Yeah. So you're looking at the things, obviously, that you can as far as control, but looking at things in a different lens or a different way to improve, right? So right. when you're training for an Ironman, you're doing so much swimming and biking and running, you have a limited amount of time that you can actually train. Right. And then you you do your workouts and you don't have time to focus as much on the little things or new things or new approaches right, right. or whatever. So this gave you an opportunity to approach it a slightly different way than you yeah. did in the past. Yeah, and to be honest, Chris, um, I've never, I, 
I had never, in my opinion, run to my potential in Hawaii. Um, and I've all, most, I've had some years where I've been in insane run fitness, absolutely insane run fitness, but it didn't translate to having a good run. So at one point in this process, I said to myself, well, it actually, you know, hasn't really worked out in the past the way I wanted to. So maybe something different um, can have a different result. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So I look at it as a positive yeah, that totally. I had this, even though I wasn't planning on it, it I had this chance to, to try something different going into a, a world championship, which most people are super scared and hesitant to do, right? It's always, it's very risky to try something different going into such an important race. I heard this somewhere that to, to be successful or to have a successful result, to reach that goal, can you do it without facing fears or taking risk? And have you ever done anything great that you didn't take a risk? No, it seems I, like yeah. everything. I think that's the whole definition of doing something great, right? Yeah, like, or else that, everyone would do it. Right, right. Because most people in your situation, with that fact that they broke their their foot, would have done what you did the first night and said, "I'm not racing." Yep. And wouldn't have just spent one night doing it. They would have spent a week or two weeks or right. a month or even longer and got in a rut that they wouldn't have gotten out of. Right, right but you were quick to notice it, address it, and shift it. Yeah, when it's almost you set yourself up, you say, you understand that, you know, being in that kind of negative, um, like, you know, defeated mind space um, is, is gonna happen. But if you get ahead of yourself and say, okay, I'm gonna allow it for this amount of time. Yeah. Um, you can avoid that downward spiral, same as the negative self-talk that is so easy to fall into. So by getting ahead of it and taking control of it and putting limits on it and saying, it's going to be this, and then after this, I'm going to do this, uh, I think that's really important. And something that I think is important also to, to um, address and accept your, your feelings, because I think a lot of times we just, as humans, we kind of, in relationships or whatever, you get hurt or something happens, and especially guys, we stuff it, right? And we move on, yeah. right? Just ignore that feeling. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Just keep moving. Close the lid, lock it up. <laughs> and let's go, right? And so many of us, do, and, it, and we find that that ends up compounding and creating longer issues later on that kind of yeah, yeah. burst out or just emotionally yep. or just, um, just in getting anything done, right? So for you to be able to go, okay, I'm, I'm accepting what's happening. Yep. I'm going to embrace the feeling of what that may mean. And you allowed yourself to feel. So yeah. you're letting yourself go through that cycle of accepting it. And then you're like, okay, I've gone through it. Right. And then you're done. You're not hiding it. You're not putting it in a box. Yeah, you're yeah. not closing it and then moving on. You're like, I've gone through it. And now I can put it down. And now right. I'm in a new place. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't think about that before until you were just explaining that, that process and how you did that. And I think that's, that's something I think we all, as far as can learn and learn from example, that um, you can actually have a better result in the end when something bad happens, yeah. then if something didn't happen that kept you on the path that you were on already. Right, right. Because who knows what would have happened if you didn't get hurt, but you had, would you say it was one of the best races you've had in, in Hawaii? I mean, I, I think it was, wise, it was. I, I, but I, yeah, and I think in terms of execution of a race, it was my, uh, my best race in terms of executing well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, along those lines, Chris, I think, you know, when you go, when you have uh, that, some, that challenge, um, 
it really makes you appreciate just being able to do what you do yeah. and have a sense of gratitude. Uh, I was so happy that I was just in Hawaii and able to start the race that everything else was gravy, you know, like it, I was winning already. I was, you know, and actually in the last couple of years, I've been, you know, like I said, I've been doing this race a long time and I'm always like, um, I need a year off. I need to take a break and then I'll come back really strong. And, um, but then when I was facing reality that I may not get to race, I realized, no, no, I want to race. I want to race every chance I get here. Yeah. And that just really, um, filled me up with a sense of gratitude for being able to be on the start line. Uh, I mean, I see that you're such a family guy and that you care so much for your family. And um, yeah, that week, yeah, it just seems like you didn't, you didn't have as much pressure. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think, yeah, part of that was that uh, I think a lot of expectations were um, lessened on me um, from, you know, both uh, internal and and external. So that's uh, sometimes a good thing too. Yeah, and we didn't, I don't know if we actually said where you finished, but you ended up finishing second, second yep. in the world, uh, the world champs. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. And it looked like you were just more relaxed, more yep. comfortable. And I would have guessed if you didn't run for very long that you would have beat up your quads more. But were you feeling as much pain or was there a lot of... No, I felt pretty good on the run, which is crazy. That was um, actually the, the fastest run I've ever had in Hawaii as well. So, yeah. What uh, was the run time? Uh, I ran into 49. Uh, so first time I've broken 250 in Hawaii, um, you know, like you said, it's on an easy course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to be able to have my, not only have my best performance there, but have my fastest run uh, off of the given given circumstances was, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I had um, uh, one of the guys on my team, Lawrence Van Lingen, who does a lot of body work and things um, for me. He was there and he, uh, on this is Wednesday before race week, he's like, you know, Tim, uh, you, know, you just need to, you know, show your heart, um, put yourself in a place of vulnerability mm. when you're out there on the run. Um, you know, a lot of us are, it's hard to put yourself fully out there because if you fail, then you know that you're the best version of yourself wasn't good enough. Mm. So I think a lot of people hold back. Um, but I, if, if you don't just let it go, um, then I don't think you're even have a chance of seeing your really your best performance. Um, and it lined up really well with um, my daughter, Izzy, who is obsessed with Frozen. So uh, the theme, Let It Go. Okay. <laughs> like, like the song Frozen kind of was running through my head, just let it go, you know? Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about that. Cause yeah, I just want to like hear a little bit more on the depth of that, like being vulnerable and being open right. and, and letting go. What is that? What does that look like in, in a run? But it seems like it also comes from a place of emotion. Yeah. And so share a little bit more about that. Like, what was that to you? What were those things or what were the things that you were thinking of and what were the things that got you through that? You know, I hit the run and actually, right when I, right when I got off my bike uh, and running through transition, my legs felt pretty good. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, um, you know, we could do something great here, you know? And I was coming out of transition and I saw my run, uh, the split was like 5.09 something. So, and then I had another thing like, okay, well you can break eight hours, which has been one of your lifetime goals, but you ha- but to do it, you have to run under 2.50. And like, well, you haven't done that before, but. You you're know, thinking all this while yeah, you're yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So forget it, you know, like, you know, like not forget it. Like you can do it, be like, all right, well, if you want to do it, then you better run under 2.50. Um, but from that point on, it was quiet. 
Um, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I just thought about the things I need to do to run well um, and showing my heart. And I was actually yelling that at like, not yelling it, but saying it under my breath when the cameramen were right there. Um, show your heart. Yeah, I'm like, show your heart, Dio. Cause I, it was actually, I, it was uh, a cue as well for kind of putting my chest in the right position when I'm running. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just something that clicked with me internally and, and um, it was just, it was just in me. You know, it wasn't a lot of, it was just there. And it just, when he said it to me Wednesday before race week, everything clicked and it just put me in this space, uh, the space that I needed to be in. And it's hard to explain, but um, when you find something that resonates, you just have to, you have to hold on to it and, and use it. You're giving everything you have, yeah. right? You're laying yourself out there. And there's also that sense of like emotionally letting yourself go. Yeah. Opening it up, like you said, open your heart, yeah. right? And for me at moments, it's like, you know, my spouse, it's my kids, it's my friends or support team right. or whatever. And do you, do you think about that when you're out there? Like, is it for the team or do you feel that, that pressure or that expectation with it? Or do you feel like, like that is different and, and it was more just about you and your journey in that? Um, you know, it's, you go through waves. Um, you obviously want to honor everybody that puts so much in you because it's, it's a, it's a selfish sport, right? And we need to take a lot to, to, to race so well. And, um, everybody in our support team doesn't get any recognition. You know, it's an individual sport that takes a team, which is insane. Um, and on top of that, and you know, you, I'm sure you experienced this as well, being uh, one of the American hopefuls to win that world championship, which we haven't done since what, 2002? Yeah, since 10. Um, there's a lot of pressure there too, and you want to do it for, for the US, you know, you want to yeah. do it for your country. Um, but the years that I've really focused on that, I haven't raced well mm-hmm. because I'm focusing on a result and not the process. Mm-hmm. So uh, this past year, I really, I took the energy that everybody had for me and my family came out, uh, almost my entire family, with the exception of my brother Matthew and his wife were there. Uh, my parents hadn't been there since 2011, my first year where I uh, did not finish. And they didn't come back after that. They're like, nope, we're not coming back. So to have them there, um, I, through experience and I guess just being an older athlete and having, you know, a little more wisdom, I, I was able to take their energy and their positivity and their support and their love and just bring that into me. Not, not, put the, not the pressure of having to perform for them, yeah. but knowing that they're there to support me yeah. no matter what. Yeah just using that energy and that love. Yeah, totally. Like I, I feel like, yeah, you can't race for somebody and your result does not hinge on if they love you or not. Right. Right. Like yeah, yeah. The love is there if you finished first, yep. or if you finished 10th or if you finished last. And so many times, like you said, it's a sport that we're judged on our performance. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. You look at your training, you look at your results, you look at your numbers. I got to improve. I got to build. Your your financial year depends on your results. Yeah. Your sponsors, are you going to get a sponsor? Are you going to lose a sponsor? Yeah, on one day. <laughs> on one day. So your results, what you do 
and your results equals acceptance or equals support right. or equals love or whatever. But you get to a point, and I totally feel it and yeah. see it, that you got it to that day that it was not about that. Yep. And that you raced, not as if you were racing for yourself. And this is me speaking of what I'm seeing. And you correct right, me right, right, right. What I see it as like you were racing not for yourself, but from yourself. Yep. Of being free. Yep. Of being who you truly are and seeing what that gives. Yeah. And it's because of your loved ones. It's because of our relationships that allows us to be true to who we are. And I don't know, it's, it just is awesome just to hear. And I just feel that like, it was just like your day to just, to just pour it out there. Yeah, yeah. And it all came. Yeah, yeah. And I think well, like when you're in that space of like, vulnerability, showing your heart, you're not worried about the negative stuff, like blowing up on the run or, you know, um, or, or the other guys, how they're racing versus you. You're just in that space where like, okay, I'm here. And I'm putting my best version of myself out. And that's, that's what's in my control. And yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And uh, I think it really helps you just stay on task and kind of stay out of those dark places that can inevitably show up on such a hard day. Yeah, you face your fears. Yep. And you're like, it doesn't matter yeah, if I don't okay, finish, yeah. if I drop out or if I blow up or whatever. Not yeah. drop out, but if you blow yeah. up or something happens. Yeah, here I am, yeah. Yeah, lay it out there. So good. So good. And then to, to finish and to see your, your wife was there, Rennie was yep. there. Um, she races as well, as far as professionally. And it wasn't a great day for her, but she made it a great day by being able to, yep. to be yeah, there for you. Yeah, uh, crazy story, side story. Uh, you know, uh, my wife, Marinda, Rennie, if you're not familiar with the sport. Um, yeah. She's a three-time Ironman world champion. Um, obviously, this, that was coming back from having um, our daughter, Izzy. So that was her second Kona after having Izzy. And she broke her elbow five weeks out of Kona, just a tripped and, you know, put her hand down to stop and um, just totally unfortunate. But so it was a hard day for her too. And uh, she was coming back on the bike and it's uh, <laughs> yeah. good. A little emotional. Um, Set swim this morning. <laughs> <laughs> she was coming back on the bike and having a horrible day. Her glute, actually glute locked up. She uh, had a great swim. She's so worried about, about her elbow that I think she was missing some of her normal body maintenance stuff. Um, throughout the last couple of weeks before the race, she, um, her glute locked up. Anyway, she's coming back in on the bike and I'm running out and she sees Jan who was in the lead. And uh, she's like, oh, she's like, please, like, please be Tim next. And then she sees me. She gets off her bike. <laughs> right there. Drops her bike in the lava field and just gets out and starts supporting me. And no way. Gets me off. Yeah, no. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. like, <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah, but I mean, to have someone who is like, you know, the absolute top of the sport still holds a run course record in Kona for the women, 250. Um, so you break her? You I break, broke, yeah, I broke, that was another cool part. I got the house record now. But to have someone at that level of sport, like, um, you know, there and understand the importance for me and our family and be able to share that with me was pretty cool. Yeah. She was there to see you on the run and support yeah. you and then be there at the finish line. Yeah. With Izzy too, yeah? With Izzy, yeah. How was that? It was awesome, yeah. And uh, Izzy, like, the, I, you know, I was telling you this a couple of days ago, you know, it was a couple of days after the race and I was just walking with Izzy 
Uh, we were still in Hawaii on a little vacation, and she was talking about the finish, you know, at two years old. Um, it's something she'll remember forever. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Um, this is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. How is it? How is it being a dad? How is that? It's been awesome. Um, it's hard having two professional athletes and managing that, um, but it's it changes your whole perspective and. Uh, makes going out on those six or seven hour training rides a little harder. Yeah. Um, we find ourselves training at home in our uh, home gym a little bit more. But uh, it just, yeah, it changes the perspective. It makes you realize that nothing's as important as her, including um, the silly little sport that we do called triathlon. And uh, it just brings a lot more joy to, to your day. Yeah, I bet you're excited to get home every day. Yeah, you, yeah, you really <laughs> are, yeah. Um, yeah, the first... Uh, First six months as a dad, it's always hard because that connection's not the same, right? As yeah. with the mom, and they just they need their mother. Um, but now that she's you know two and a half, and she's really turned into to daddy's girl, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Who was an influential person in your life growing up? Who was? Uh, I definitely say my dad. Um, definitely real, most. You were real close to your dad. Yeah, um, he. Uh, well, I'm, so I'm the youngest of four and we're within four and a half years. Um, so we're all very close and we moved around a lot. Um, my dad had a lot of transfers in his work. Um, so the three, you know, my two brothers and I were particularly close, um, but he was just always such a great example for us. And he always prioritized us, um, made a lot of sacrifices, him and my mom, uh, to make sure we had everything, every opportunity we had. And that's what my parents were all about, um, you know, we're gonna put you in the best schools we can, and we're gonna try to, you know, get you in a great sport that's gonna get you into, you know, the best universities you can. And we're gonna, we want to give you the opportunities, and then you can, you know, make your path from there. So, um, yeah, uh, as Rennie always says, uh, my dad's nickname is Adista, but she always says, "What would Adista do if we have a like a, a moral dilemma or something like that?" Because he's just such an upright, uh, stand-up guy, and um, you know. Just really great role model. Do you reach out to him still for advice on certain things? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, actually, he was sending me emails this morning uh, talking about the 1980 uh, U.S. Olympic hockey team, you yeah. know, and how uh, the miracle on ice. No way. And he's like, yep, this is Hawaii this year. <laughs> <laughs> so he, it's it's pretty cool, yeah. And from a sporting, uh, sporting-wise, Craig Alexander has always been, um, you know, yeah. Great, great uh, role model for me. We spent a lot of time with him in Boulder here training. And he's a guy that won Hawaii, what, three times? Yeah. Uh, you've done battle with him so many times. Yeah, he beat um, me one time. One time I got second, <laughs> like you, and he beat me. And he's and at the 7.3 Worlds too, right? You that's guys, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's right. I would say I would have been a two-time world champion if it wasn't for if Craig. Crowey was never here. Yeah. Crowey. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Yep. He's a great. That's one thing that's cool about the sport is it seems like from my experience, and I think I still see it today, is that the the relationships of the athletes are very respectful of You're one another. Right. And and as far as supportive and reaching out and stuff. And I hear about like when Jan or Lionel got hurt that there was support from other people. And I'm sure you got some some guys that reached out, you yeah. know. Well, actually you didn't let anyone know. Yeah, only yeah, only are in a group. Yeah. I didn't want an excuse if I was gonna race. Yeah. I didn't want to be like, oh, well, I could have a bad race because I'm injured. Yeah. Um, so I try to kind of keep it on the DL. Um, yeah, maybe I took some guys by surprise too. Actually, I think you did. Uh, most of them knew. I know, um, 
Jan and then Sebi, who was the other uh, third, they both knew that um, I had an injury. So the word leaked out. But yeah, it got crew. out. Yeah. What would be three characteristics that you think make a exceptional athlete or a successful person? What are the, what three things or characteristics do you think that they need? Yeah, uh, I think determined is definitely probably the number one. Um, hardworking, you got to be willing to do the work. Yeah. And um, adaptable. You have to be adaptable. Um, I think a lot of people think if they just like, work hard, keep you know pounding that uh, you know round peg into a, into the square, yeah, they're gonna see a result. But you have to be constantly evaluating what you're doing and adjusting, you know, pivoting if you have to um, to put yourself in uh, the right situation. Well, it's exactly what we just talked about for a lot of this podcast was your your adjustments that you had to make. Right. You had your goal, but you had to adjust how you approached it, and and you did that, and it made it successful. Yeah. Instead of hammering into a yeah yeah in a square hole. Yeah yeah. It's, it's not the force you apply; it's you know the force in the right direction, right? Yeah. Um, it has to be precise. It goes a little bit with the first one you said, as far as de- determined, mm-hmm. right? So what does that what does that look like? Explain a little bit more what kind of state that is, because someone would relate that in different levels. Right. To what level or to what? If you're truly determined, like uh, on the highest level, you're just always willing to kind of put yourself in the situ- in the right situation. Um, it's uh, you know prioritizing, really, right? Will the, the willingness to prioritize what needs to be done to achieve the goals that you want. Um, when I was swimming in high school. One of um, the quotes that my high school coach would always tell me was, uh, decide what you want to be, pay the price, and be what you want to be. You know, so you really have to put it in perspective. Okay, this is what I really want, and this is what I need to do, and this is what I may need to sacrifice to get to that place. Yeah. When did you set the goal that you wanted to win Ironman World Championships Hawaii? I'd say, uh, so I started my triathlon career racing Olympic distance, trying to make the Olympic team. Um, but I knew towards the end of that, I, I went to trials in 2008, uh, didn't make the team, but I knew kind of at that, around that time that I really was meant to do Ironman and I wanted to do Ironman. But it wasn't until 2009 when I went and saw Rini race her first Kona uh, and she placed second on her for, in her first year. And seeing her at the finish line and then going back with her at midnight for that whole celebration, I realized that I wanted to win an Ironman World Championship. And at that time, I was still on the fence. In 2009 and 10, my running got a lot better. And I was actually uh, in a great spot to make the 2012 team. Uh, I was on the podium at both the Pan Am Champs and the U.S. National Champs for short course racing. It was in 2010 after Hawaii, already won that year. So another amazing celebration. I went to an ITU Olympic distance uh, race in Korea, getting points for the whole Olympic qualification process. And I was on the start line there and there's like 20 people there in this little fishing village that just smelled like fish. <laughs> and I just came back from watching Rennie win the greatest race in the sport. Yeah. And I said, I don't care 
if I can be anything Olympic team, I'm, I'm done. Uh, this is not what I want, you know? At that time, there were, I wasn't gonna win a gold medal. I, I, I had a really good chance of making that 2012 Olympic team. But I said to myself, what would you rather do, be an Olympian or win an Ironman World Championship? And I said, I wanna win an Ironman World Championship. So I stopped ITU uh, Olympic distance racing and did my first full Ironman the next year in 2011. So one of the things that I hear in that is that the adaptability. Yep. So like you set a goal of saying you want to go to the Olympics, right? Like right. that was an original goal. Yep. But it's okay to reevaluate yep. along the process to check in. Am I, is this still my goal or what was it about that goal that right. I wanted to reach, right? Yep. And you realize that it wasn't actually the Olympics. It was the process, but it's just shifted. Right. Right. So you adapted your goal. You didn't quit on it. You didn't say you didn't give up on it. You just said, you know what? It's changed. Right. Because we're not the same person we are today as we were 10 years ago. Yeah. But in 2011, you went and did your first Ironman and you said, I want to be world champ. And you've been determined in that process. Right. And you've been top 10 now, what, six times? I think six times. Yeah. Six times top 10. Yeah. Gotten second, third, fourth, fifth. Sixth, eighth. <laughs> All right there. But yeah. you're moving up. Right, right. And you got one more spot. Well, the other you're thing determined you, to it. Yeah, and we go back to our, our conversation earlier. You can only, you, there's some things you can't control. Yeah. My race last year, you know, the Ironman World Championship has happened, I think, 42 times. That performance would have won 40 out of 42 times. Right? Yeah, that totally. was a, That was yeah. a world championship level performance. I can't control that Jan, yeah. who's arguably the, the greatest ever, he's the GOAT, right? Yeah, had 100%. his greatest race ever. Yeah. Um, but all I can do is keep putting together a, a winning performance. Um, and I think it's important too, we were talking about kind of that pivoting and adapting when I went from short course racing to Ironman. If you want to do great things, you have to be fishing in the right pond, you know? My pond is Ironman, my pond wasn't short course racing, it wasn't the Olympics. Um, you know, sure, I, you know, I had a chance to make an Olympic team, but wasn't coming home with the medal. Um, just, I didn't have that run speed. Yeah. Uh, so you got to make sure you're in the right pond. Yeah. Is there anything that you would, looking back in your career, that you would you would change or you would do different? Um, I, I'm not one to have a lot of regrets. Um, I think everything I've done has brought me to this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, still racing at the highest level at, 39 years of age. Um, very small thing. I, the last two years, I've gone down to sea level, the, like month before Kona. Okay. Um, I think looking back, I probably would have done that if I would have done that with my other preparations for, for Hawaii. So that's helped out a lot. It's helped out a lot, yeah. Um, it just gives you that extra. You can really, you come down from altitude in great shape, but it's hard to back up sessions uh, at elevation, it's just so much harder on the body to recover. Mm -hmm. um, so if I can get down to sea level and just bump up five percent for my power on the bike or my you know my pace on the run, and then back those sessions up day to day, just really helping helps um, just fine tune everything before race day. Yeah, awesome. But hey, you live and learn, right? I mean, yeah, totally. It's <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you live and learn, and you move on, and like you said, you don't regret that. But just curious about that process of, and that kind of shows like what one thing have you really learned that's been a pivotal piece, right, right, in these last two years, and that was it. And so yeah, if you yeah, move, yeah. move that back a couple of years, maybe you would have had a couple more yeah. shots at it, right, a little right. bit better placing. If you were to 
leave anything behind, a lesson that you would leave behind. If you were to only have, you know, let's say a year as far as to live, what lessons, well, one, what would you want to do in this next year? And um, what lessons would you want to leave behind? Uh, for me, it would just, oh, just be about family. Um, I've learned that uh, collecting material things is nice, but it doesn't really matter. Um, I cherish the experiences I have with friends and family, particularly my daughter and, and my wife. Um, so I would collect as many of those experiences as I could uh, because they're so valuable. Um, you know, uh, my uh, niece, my, my niece and nephew uh, were in Kona with me. And uh, my, my niece had to write uh, some sort of essay to get in for her high school uh, application. And it was about the experience she had with the family in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see, you know, even the, some of the younger generation kind of realizing that that's really what it's about, it's having those experiences. Uh, and from lessons, um, I've learned that whatever you're doing, you're going to perform better in, in a happy, happy mm -hmm. state um, if you're in the right place. Uh, relationships, work, things like that. Uh, if you can be in that that happy uh, space, I, I really think that's a, a key to, to success. I think you, I I perform better when I'm in that state. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. Do I have any other? That's pretty good. Uh, and bet on yourself too. Um, I had I had no right. I was in the Navy. I had a great job. I had uh, full medical benefits. You know, I had I was in a good spot. Um, but I gave it all up for a chance to do triathlon. Um, I, at that time, I had no sponsors. I had no income. I was, you know, I had enough money saved. That I said, okay, you got 18 months to to sink or float and see what happens. And, but I bet on myself and I hadn't had the results at that point to, I, to really do it. My family thought I was crazy, but I knew from my training that I could do it. Uh, so I was just willing to take a chance on, on putting myself out there and, and it paid off and it changed the whole trajectory of my life. Um, it's the reason I met uh, Rennie. It's the reason we have our beautiful daughter. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was the best decision of my life. Yeah, I think I think that applies to every aspect, just not athletes, but right. with a job choice or a passion or whatever. Sometimes you just have to take that risk yeah, and yeah. believe in yourself yep. and go. Don't know where it's going to put me, but I'm going to take the leap. Yeah, I'm going to take yeah, that yeah. jump and see where yeah. it goes. And it's easy to do when you're young; you don't have responsibilities, right? But yeah, um, I think it's still uh, something you yeah to really consider doing. All right, what are you most grateful for right now in this moment? that our family gets to share this whole journey together. Um, the fact that, you know, we get to bring Izzy to all of our races. You should see how many stamps are in her passport. It's insane. <laughs> She's already been to Australia like four or five times. Um, the fact that we get to have this whole crazy experience together has made, um, it's, it's put a whole new life into us in, in the sport, you know, it's, it's a grind, right? But now to be able to be in this space where we get to do it together and share it, um, it's amazing. Well, I am grateful for you and the <laughs> example that you, uh, as far as, you know, give. And it's so fun to just sit here and, and talk through this and to really 
it's not just words that you're saying, but I see it in the last few days of being yeah. with you. See it in your relationship with your wife and your and 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 Izzy, and the value of family and everything you said radiates through you um, right now. So I just want oh, to say Chris. thanks for that and thanks for being such a good example to oh. athletes and those that are watching, just to inspire them and to truly just. You're a great example to a lot of people, and um, yeah, we're always cheering for you. Yeah, thanks. So, well, you thank my parents because they they raised me right. Awesome. <laughs> thanks again. Cool. Man. Thanks, yeah, Chris. Appreciate Cheers. It. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tim O'Donnell. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with uh, training as well. So again, if you haven't seen the YouTube video, please check the links in the show notes. Also, if you want to check out Adaday, there's also links to that in the show notes as well with the coupon codes. You can go to chrislietto.com forward slash podcast to be able to find those show notes as well. Again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Chris Lieto podcast and supporting us and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy this episode, please share it in your social media. Uh, please go ahead and tag at Chris Lieto and also tag Tim O'Donnell, which is at T-O-N-T-R-I. That's T-R-I. Also, share the link to this podcast through iTunes or Shopify or go directly to chrislieto.com forward slash podcast. And again, thank you so much. And I look forward to the next episode. Aloha.